0: Hello and welcome to Coast to Coast FC, a Canadian soccer podcast focused on all things CPL, Canadian Championship and more. My name is Felipe Vallejo.
1: And I'm Mike Rice.
0: And on this podcast, myself and Mike are going to dive into all of the games from Match Week 5, going over all of the facts and stats about each game. And at the end of the episode, we're going to pick our highlight of the week from this weekend's matchups and talk about it. Make sure to follow us on our new Twitter at Coast to Coast FC and on Spotify and Google Podcasts so you know exactly when we upload. Without further delay, let's go straight into this record-breaking weekend for the CPL where 19 goals were scored. Um, That sets a new record for a four-match weekend since the start of CPL. And we'll start with the match that started it all, which was Forge against Valor. Forge beat Valor in this match with three goals to two, with goals from uh, Hamilton, uh, Becker, and Poku from Hamilton, and from Williams and Samake for Valor. Now, this was a cracker of a match, Mike, a great way to open up the weekend. It felt like after the first few weeks of one nails, one ones. Kind of, it was slow to get into. This was the first action packed weekend we had of the CPL, which I know I have been wanting uh, for the longest time. So I'm very happy that we got it going straight away. Um, what were your initial thoughts on this game? What did you think about this belter of a match?
1: Yeah, it's been um, a lot of sort of feeling out the defenses, and the defenders have been on top for um, the sort of opening few weeks and trying to eased the way through but Pacific got us underway with that four goals in uh, Ottawa and then this one with five um, it was a yeah a fantastic game like Valor are really causing Forge some problems in recent history and uh, they've brought up some good matchups between the two of them and as much as Forge tried to dominate a lot of the game in possession um, Valor really really hit them dangerously at times I mean when you've got players like Neonga um on the wing. He had a, he was had an outstanding game um once again. But yeah, it was sort of end to end very even. Um but Forge showed their quality in the end to um to come away with the win, didn't they?
0: Yeah. And that's the thing with Forge, is the sign of champions, even when you don't play the best at some points of the game, the fact that you can just go out and grind those results is is how you become a team as successful as Forge. But, I mean, for uh, for Valor, I thought that they actually played really well for most part of the game. I think they went toe-to-toe with Forge. I don't think they let Forge do much with the possession at times. Yes, they did dominate, because that's what Forge do, but I felt like they did really well to be smart about when to try to go out and press and try to get the ball back and when to sit back and just uh, avoid Forge going into those dangerous areas. I think uh, Valour was very good at um breaking uh into the opposition half like you said Nyungabere had a great game that drive that he had to to open up the goal for Williams it was yeah. that's that's the kind of Nyungabere that was teased to us in the first uh, in his first appearance and we've been sort of waiting for because I don't really, I it's it's funny, the CPL does have right now a lot of really talented wingers, really tricky 1v1 wingers, but I don't think there's anyone that it has more potential to be special than Young Gabire and the way that he just takes on his man and can change a game on its head. It was it was great to finally see him um be able to showcase that in this game. Uh but I, I as good as as Valor were I mean, both times Valor led Forge quickly equalized both times, and I can only imagine how Phil de Santos feels about that conceding twice so so quickly after leading. What do you think went wrong for Valor to be able to uh, concede uh, the lead twice?
1: Yeah, they. I mean, Forge have a great way of just bringing more players forward. They're centre-backs back to just carry the ball into the midfield and they create the, it gives them the chance to create these overloads all over the pitch. And Forge seemed to get them to the point where if, uh, when they conceded a goal, it just spurred them on that little bit more. And they, they, they came out a little bit more aggressively um, in possession. And it made Valor a little bit nervous. I mean, Sissoko for this, for the, um, uh for the first goal to bring it back to one one. He um he did great work getting into the box, but he's he's so aggressive and desperate to keep hold of the ball. The Valor players were a little bit nervous about mate putting a foot in, in the box. Um Sissoko went down twice, I think, in that period, fairly, but he got up quickly and he's fighting for the ball. He's not rolling around looking for a free kick or a penalty. Uh and it just brought more of these Valor players towards him. Uh, which opened up the space um for hamilton to um to go and um get the get the game level um but they just forge have a great way of just forcing defenses and midfield out of um out of position they they can disorganise uh, disorganize them so well um with the way they bring their players forward and they, they it's not just they're creating overloads on the wing, they're creating them in half spaces they can create them in the middle of the pitch they can do they can do it in all areas which it's just so hard to deal with. And when they come out with this really aggressive mentality to get back in front, to get back or get level, and they it is really hard to deal with. And Valid tried, but again, they were a little bit. I guess one thing we should really point out is like without a right back again. Um for this one, uh, Dante Campbell was forced into playing right back, so they lost him in the midfield. Um, they started off with like four, two, three, one. I really like Keen Williams. Um playing in the centre there I really really like that but they lose a little bit in the middle and they changed them in the second half uh, with the sub and put Dante Campbell in the middle again into that sort of more robust three in the midfield but no matter what you do it's very hard to deal with them (laughs) with Forge isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's like you said, the way that they create overloads all over the pitch. I think, you know, Sissoko, he might be one of the most underrated players in his position in the league in the way that he can just, his physicality makes him so strong on the ball and and being able to just get past defenders and challenge uh, them in the midfield and, and just outside of the box or even inside the box as we saw in that goal and yeah the the way forge play they almost have five six players in the attack they always have you know one of the wing backs pushing up whether it be morgan or today or in this game rather uh rama was really really good offensively mm-hmm. which is something we don't always see i feel like he's becoming more comfortable pushing up and he's the one that sort of started the the move for the goal the the last goal for um for Kwasi Poku. And it it feels like everyone is just knows their role and knows how to pick apart the opposition defense by always having that extra man, that extra pass, whether it's a four at the back or even a five at the back, they have enough talent and personnel in those positions to be able to, uh, yeah, just, just systematically take apart a defense. And it's so, so hard for a team to, to be able to just control a match and hold a whole evidently hold on to a lead against, yeah, uh, forge because they're just immediately they're like, okay, and they're right back on it, even when they're not playing, uh, well or at 100% the whole time. But to uh, the valor's credit again, I think they they played really well. One player I was very impressed with was, uh, Debrien. I think for such mm. a young, well, wing back. He he's very, very smart. That pass that he did for Samake after the corner in the second phase of that corner, I think was. Elite, I don't think anybody in the stadium saw that except for him. Uh, And that's what you need. You need those players that can flip a switch and just make that one pass, that cutting pass that takes everybody out of the game. You know, question marks definitely around Forge and how they defended that set piece. I feel like they might have fallen asleep a bit, which they have shown this season that, you know, they are human. They are not divine. (laughs) They can make mistakes. They, They can fall asleep. They can switch off and credit to valor that they took advantage of that uh, twice really and um I-, I think that uh we'll see in the future that there is a chink in the armor for forge and we'll see which team can finally unlock it and get that uh result against them but yeah i think overall uh, valor impressed me uh, continue to impress me given all of their injuries that they've had um i think you know it was in the last. 15 20 minutes where we really saw some some incredible just focus play from forge uh and and valor uh, even though they got that goal with Samake, it felt like they finally got broke down uh what were your thoughts mike on the last part of the game where we saw the the last two goals and how forge responded to to going down
1: yeah, we saw, I mean, we saw Samake screaming at his players, focus, focus, let's get into this, let's not throw this away after um, getting that goal. And yeah, unfortunately for unfortunately for them, um, Wazipoku um, goes up the other end and uh, finishes off a nice move. But not long later, um, we saw um, Siage, uh come on uh, in the 79th minute sub. Uh, and it was a mistake, like Forge trying to play out from the back again and carry the ball and there was a quick turnover. He wins the ball high up after coming on uh, and he's one-on-one with um, uh, Tristan Henry and chips the ball over and you can see Gavari on the other side going crazy or just a square pass and he's got an open goal to finish. So there is, you can get these opportunities against Forge but there's so few and far between when it comes to that sort of end that when Forge are dominating that if you don't take, um, if you don't take advantage of it, you'll get, you are you're not going to get another chance, so they they, they or aren't going to keep making the same mistakes if something happens and you and they do something where they've given up a turnover easily. It's not going to be oh another one will come. Don't worry. We've got these guys under pressure. they re they reorganize themselves and they get and they um get themselves back in control of the game. um but they did i mean they 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 did have another chance. um I'm interested to see your thoughts on the uh, penalty shout for Haynes. um uh morgan bringing him down in the box maybe uh did you how did you see that
0: i thought it was a stonewall pen i'll be Mm -hmm. honest i thought it was very easy to call the fact that the referee didn't call it for me was uh just just ridiculous frankly you know (laughs) as much as i might have my own personal uh you know affections and bias towards forge you you can't you can't deny that that was a clear pen and I just I I wish you know we could have been in the referee's brain or even the assistant referee's brain for a second to be understand how they could not have called that and especially at that moment in time you know that was right before um, they got their their second goal so mm. it was a, still a critical point they would have gone that penalty would have forge gone back in and, and still done the same thing maybe probably but you know yeah. it's still like you don't want to leave these question marks of what ifs right you're i mean you're always going to get it but especially around a contentious call like not calling that penalty it's always mm. going to leave a sour taste in the mouth of the of the people who suffered the injustice i guess and um yeah i mean there's going to be i know we're going to talk about uh, penalty calls hey, later yeah. in this episode as well <laughs> and it just goes to show that's yeah the the level of officiating in this league, much like you know, the league is growing in them and the league and the level of officiating is growing as well. but it needs to be better. And I think it definitely needs the help of VAR but I feel like I'm a broken Mm. record saying that every week now um but yeah no it was it was hard on Valor good for them that they responded immediately to get that goal um and like you said they had that chance with Siage I remember seeing Young Youngabere just absolutely screaming at Siage because he was wide open if he would have just passed it it would have easily been a goal and that would have been three two completely put the game on its head and it would have been a very very different end to the game but yeah, overall, I think you know. I think Forge just deserved it, I guess, based on some of the run of play, especially at the end. So I think the scoreline was mm. pretty fair. I feel like maybe Valor could have deserved maybe a point out of it, but I mean, when you have yes, somebody like Kyle in the Becker, game, yeah, I mean, Yesley yes, yes, was superb. I think Yesley is, you know, we we talk about Tristan Henry and Carducci and all of these really good keepers. Yesley is turning out to be a very very good shot stopper. Mm. I mean, his size. Definitely uh, (laughs) helps him be great, but the way that he, that he's been able to just bail out Valor so many times, I think he's uh, uh, getting himself a shout for that kind of golden glove award at the very end of the season. But yeah, I think, um, you know, one player I wanted to highlight and I wanted to hear your thoughts about it uh, as well is is uh, Kyle Becker ever since, you know, he missed a a little bit of the beginning of the season because of suspension. And yeah, then he finally got into the team uh, a couple games back ever since then i mean he, it shows why he's the captain and why he's one of the best players in the league i i was talking about it with uh i think it was alex alex Ruzek that I, I kyle becker was for me in that game he looked like the canuck kevin de bruyne um <laughs> why yeah what were your thoughts on his performance in this match especially
1: yeah, it just shows his quality, like that extra bit of quality he has over some players um, and the consistency. It's not that, I mean, you've got some very special players that like we've mentioned and players that can pull out something every so often, but each time Carl Becker gets on the ball, you know that, it, that he's orchestrating something. Uh, he's either creating for himself or others. Uh, his movement's fantastic. I mean, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Uh, he's showing great bits of acceleration to make sure that he's getting in front of defenders. He's getting to the ball. He's making it hard for um, defenders to keep an eye on him, to to protect against him. Um, and he's just covering so much ground for uh It's, it's so intelligently ha- wh- how he's doing it. Um, and when you've got someone like that, who's coming across, he's not just sat in the middle orchestrating play and moving it around and organizing players. He's getting up there. He's getting into those positions to receive the ball in dangerous areas as well. So, to have someone with so many different threats uh, is so important Um, and Forge are very lucky to have him
0: Indeed I I can't, it's almost at this point you can't think of Forge without thinking about Kyle Becker in the same way Mm. you can't think of Forge without thinking of Bobby, they're just such staples (laughs) of the squad and of the league even but uh, yeah moving on now to uh, the second match Uh, this one was another high scoring same thing, five goals Uh, This was actually the last match. We're going to sandwich these matches a bit, Uh, going now for the last one that was played on the Sunday, which was uh, Pacific FC against York United. Pacific ran away with this match 4-1 against York United. York United once again being on the end of another thrashing uh, twice in one week before by the other BC team in Vancouver Whitecaps in the Canadian Championship. Uh, but yeah, Pacific played so so well. The goals were from Didic in the seventh minute. Many Aparicio then doubled the score line in the forty-second minutes. Before Dos Santos did an incredible Olimpico to get York back into the the competition at two one, uh, and then Pacific just put it away in the last ten minutes with a a brilliant team goal from Brazao. And Ongaro finally gets his first goal for Pacific in the 92nd minute. And, uh, yeah, overall, it was just it was uh, I didn't get the, ch- the chance to see this match live because I was doing Mother's Day things with my in-laws. <laughs> but, um, Mike, for you, was this an accurate scoreline? Did Pacific deserve such a convincing win as the scoreline suggests?
1: He's yes and no in some way. Like they did dominate long periods of this game, um, and they should have they should have been uh, more ahead before the Brazil goal. Uh, they should have had um, three or four by then. But if, um, York really could have got into this game. Uh, the Dos Santos goal in the fifty fifth minute, like you say, the Olympico a terrible mistake again from Gazdov, who does so many good things. But this is the third time where a, an error has led to a goal. And York really got back into the game from there. They created quite a few chances um, over the, sort of that period of time afterwards. And Gasdorf gave the ball away on a, um, um, in possession, passing the ball out, trying to play out from the back, gave the ball away, but made up for it with a fantastic save, um, point blank save. The, they looked a little bit rattled, Pacific. Then York seemed to get their heads up. They they were spurred on a bit. But Pacific managed to weather that storm. Um and then as it got in later into the game, was York was sort of chasing it thinking we're only a goal behind this incredibly uh intricate and patient build up for that Brazal goal, which he eventually um eventually tucked away, um, was just put the game to bed um and it sort of killed off what our York could have done, but they definitely had the chance to get back in it. I mean, like we say, they're struggling with injuries again. Um Pacific, so strong, but yeah, just they they got the four goals today, but it could have been a different, it could have been a very different scenario if they hadn't weathered that storm well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did manage to watch the highlights just before, we started recording and it did seem like York had a few really good yeah. opportunities, you know, gazed off. This was the thing that I was a bit worried about at the beginning of the season when you bring in such a young keeper who really doesn't have all that much experience at like a proper pro level in the competition you're going to have some of those growing pains and you can see that in some of the mistakes that he made in this game but the important thing is always mentality and the fact that Mm -hmm. he still was in the game he was still trying to be focused he made some big saves after the mistake that's always what you want to see from a young keeper because that um, that allows him to weather the storm of his own sort of you know, young naivety in some of the things that he does and learn and grow and develop into a more mature, experienced player. And, you know, that's what you want to kind of see. That's sort of the payoff you have by gambling on making a 19 year old your number one keeper in the league. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, aside from that, you know, uh, the two goals that we saw from, you know, Aparicio and Brazal, those were just. Brilliant goals. I love team goals. I love those passing Mm. play goals. Goes to one side, goes to the other. 15, 20 passes before the goal goes in. I love that personally. And so it was fantastic to see those two goals. Just starting from the defense, building up, going back, creating space. You know, not afraid to go back, to go forward. And one touch play, little triangles. And then that's a brilliant pass from Sean Young to, to Aparicio for the first one and then uh, uh, Daniels uh, for the second one on Brazil. That's the kind of quality that you need. Both very, very good balls, very hard balls to be able to, uh, you know, pull off accurately. And uh, they both did it. And I think it goes to show that Pacific are starting to really get into the stride now. You know, it it feels like they've flipped switch almost um, in the Rovers game. Like I think the Rovers game sort of, flipped it for them and that they were starting to actually play really well. And yeah, this, this game felt like, or not in the rovers game, the game before that, where they, they, um, yeah, they also had a huge, uh, uh, thrashing as well. It, it, it just feels like in the last few weeks, they've really flipped the switch now. And this is the Pacific that, that, you know, we were hoping to see after uh, last season, after they won the league. And it feels mm-hmm. like now, uh, James Merriman has got it down and, uh, yeah it's it's going to be interesting to see how Pacific grow but yeah for um for York you know they're in the they're in a tough position now they've had some really bad results continuously now what do you think is in store for York in the next few weeks how do you think that they can uh bounce back from from two straight humblings like this
1: yeah, it's gonna be difficult. They, they're, they're missing key players. Um Obabuli again. Um they're missing consistency amongst their starting eleven, just like they they're constantly being forced into changes rather than choosing to make them. And the 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 only positive is that it seems Forge and Pacific up the top there, eleven and ten points, Valor in third, six points, York bottom on three. They're three points away from third place uh it's a very tight down there um and if they can start they you can see glimmers in the games where they try and get into the match they try and build and they try and do something um but they but they can't at the moment it's just the way that the, um, the team's being forced to go out a lot of it's quite makeshift at times so with players coming back can they extend those periods where they are in matches where they are being sort of the dominant force and and creating chances um we'll have to see how that changes but yeah it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take them time um just from the fact of getting those players back in and getting two three weeks with a consistent side
0: yeah and it's always it's always about getting starting that consistency it's starting Mm. to get the feel for the or the rhythm of the way you want to play and being able to actually output that and one player on Pacific side might finally get that consistency or hopefully kickstarts that consistency in um Ongaro who finally got his first goal for uh Pacific uh, it was a tap in but you know they all count yeah. and yeah. that will probably do wonders for his own you know uh psyche because you know, you know, he, everyone expected him to be a, a shoe in for the Golden Boot race after what he showed in Edmonton a few years back, and now it feels like maybe maybe he can kick on. What do you think? Do you think that this is finally the chance that we can see Ngaro show what he had at Edmonton?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I saw that he did get the one goal in the uh, Canadian Championship as well. He got the header, <laughs> um, so it's uh, first goal in the Premier League. Um, but he's. Um, he must have been watching on in the beginning of this game. Uh, they started with uh, Adelaide Reed up front, um, much smaller player, um, very different to how Ongaro plays. And there was lots of fluidity, lots of movement between whether Reed was dropping deep, going wide, and players rotating in and out of midfielders. So it's the way the game started was very different to how they can play with uh, Ongaro, and it was working well. So he must have been sitting there thinking okay, this is going really well. Well, I get my chance? I'm going to really need to take this. Um, and he did. He got a few opportunities when he came on, uh, had a couple of chances at goal and did get that um, uh, tap in at the end. But it was something that he hasn't really shown in games where he's been aggressive to get in front of the player, uh, to get in front of the defender. It was a great build-up play. Sean Young lays the ball across the um, six-yard box, too far for the goalkeeper to reach from um, his goal line. But Ongaro's done everything he can to make sure he's in front of the defender and he's the one that's going to get his foot on the ball. That's something that uh, Alejandro Diaz would have done. He forced himself in there to get on the end of the ball like, and to make sure that he's the player that gets that touch on it. Um, and that's what Ongaro needs to do. He hasn't been able to break away and get in front of defenders too much. Um at the beginning of this season so far. Um so it was great to see um great to see him do that. He looked incredibly excited to uh, finally get that goal from a sort small, small drought <laughs> since uh um since getting that first but um definitely uh definitely uh positives for him and it just shows we we you said there, James Merriman. We we've we've heard him in um post game interviews and things like that. He said it's going to click. Like we're not panicking, we're not worrying about things. Um, it's not working fantastically. Um, but it will. And these last couple of weeks have started to show that you can uh, put a little bit of credit in his faith in his players.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, especially as a striker, if you're getting in those positions. That's the most important part is getting in those positions and mm. and having those chances. Even if you can't put them away or whatever, that you can fix. It's about, you know, your movement. That's the stuff that you have to really be worried about in this record. And I think like Ongaro is finally getting into putting himself into those positions, like you said. And and soon he will be able to start putting in a few more and, and showing uh, us why he... He was brought in as that replacement for yeah. for Diaz to get the goals for Pacific, but one player who has been exceptional for Pacific, and I know you wanted to talk at length about him, was Sean Young because he was incredible in the match. Even just from the highlights, I could tell mm. how much of an influence um, he had in this match and for his team. Well, what are your thoughts on on Sean Young's performance?
1: I mean, yeah, him and um, Aparicio get the get the chance to move around a lot um to Saint started off the game at that six protects the ball protects the midfield so well sean young was able to get up and down the pitch all game long it was um there's sometimes been questions about his sort of his ability in the final third to create and to finish um but he's getting in positions where he's getting shooting opportunities it hasn't it didn't take them in this game But that ball through to Aparicio, he carried the ball into the final third, and it was a perfectly weighted pass. He sees the movement. It was a great bit of work there. The assist for Ongaro's goal, he drifts out wide, collects the ball, wins it, plays some great one-two football. His movement is good to get into the byline to then cut the ball back. So he's showing different parts of his game, um, which is is fantastic to see. He's getting that end product that's making him such a such a strong central midfielder in this league and he he just seems to be able to i mean i put out on twitter he seems like he could play two games a day he just doesn't stop and he doesn't ever look like he's gasping for breath and when the final whistle goes it looks like he can yeah jog over and carry on playing and waiting for the waiting for the next one it's 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 incredible how well he can manage a game and how fit he is to be able to continue to to play so well and he just looks composed he looks confident he wins the ball back so well um he 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 can see what the opposition's doing he reads the game really well it's not like he's throwing in slight tackles and running back and trying to catch players he's getting there but he's getting there before the pass is made um really really impressive
0: yeah no like you said he's he's a pure athlete the way that he just runs and runs and does not stop. Has uh, as an engine for a heart. He can be somebody who can be super, super special, not only for Pacific, obviously, but for the league. You know, you talk about the league and you want to talk about how it's there to develop players and have them be able to grow beyond the league and go to Europe. Sean Young is somebody that I can genuinely see. If he continues on this trajectory, he continues playing this way for Pacific. He might follow the steps that, you know, Diaz did uh even uh, Tristan Borges did for a little while to uh, uh better uh, success hopefully than Borges did uh, after the 2019 campaign and yeah go do wonders in Europe and maybe get a call up but um yeah overall uh another great match to see uh moving on to the third match another blowout this time it was from the away team it was Atletico Ottawa at Vancouver FC's house. And Atletico Ottawa were <laughs> rude visitors, I guess you could say, <laughs> because they absolutely blew Vancouver out of the water. It was a 5-0 final scoreline. It was uh, battering from Atleti. The goals were from Ali Bassett in the eighth minute, uh, Sam Salter in the 36th minute, Verhoven in the 59th minute, Oh, Verhoeven in the 59th minute, Verhoeven in <laughs> yeah. the 71st minute. I hate that it, yeah. it's so close the names. Um and then Bahus in the 72nd minute. Two goals in basically the, the space of 70 seconds, 75 seconds. Yeah. It was an absolutely dismal day for Vancouver. I had well, I guess you could say the privilege of being there um, you know, as a as a reporter in BC, you kind of wanna root a little bit for the BC side as much as you wanna be, you know, nonpartisan. But uh yeah, it was it was a rough match. We were all there, it was excited, um, like an exciting atmosphere. It was a bit of a drop-off from the opening day. The opening day they were sold out this one, I think they were at half capacity and a performance like this is not going to do well for your appearance numbers uh to you know for people that get out here uh get out to Langley and and pay money to to watch the team um mm-hmm. but yeah right away in the way that Vancouver FC lined up you could tell that there were some question marks uh from fans and from pundits and and reporters alike i mean i was up there with Uh, Alex Gange Ruzek and Peter Galindo and looking at the the lineup I mean Mamadou Kane came into this team as a striker the first time we really saw him play was in the midfield and then today he started as a center back so or uh, that game he started as a center back so it was a Kane is an enigma to me right now I don't know where is his best (laughs) position but um, yeah obviously when you have such a player like Rocco Romeo not be available you could you could see especially you know in hindsight after the game how much of a gap he leaves not only in his own ability but in his experience and his the way that he commands that defense he organizes that defense this is a very young squad they need these leaders to kind of steady the ship when things start to go awry and they didn't have that really in the defense and that's what led to i think this battering but you know I guess we should start from the start, Um, Mike. Uh, Ottawa, from the minute one, set out the pace of the match. It felt like this was already going to be a long day for Vancouver. You know, Bassett started, uh, scored his goal in the eighth minute. He had a fantastic match. What were your thoughts on the opening half an hour, 45, from Ottawa and from Vancouver?
1: Yeah, I mean, you say... Uh... <laughs> You say from that game, you're um not sure uh is at uh, the best positions um, but I can tell you one thing: for... isn't isn't the uh, spot uh that we uh, that we're going to um continue to see Kane in. And I think Atletico noticed that straight away. They saw that they were playing with one centre back who is probably the weaker centre back um in Martinez um, and they took advantage of that. Um, their movement, and they um in the way they attacked um Vancouver, just uh disorganized them. They could tell that um Kane and Martinez weren't on the same level. Bakari and Crawford weren't part of that four that has been a really good and very sort of stubborn four defenders uh it's there were just holes appearing, and bassett could see he could he he could walk his way through getting in from the midfield into the defensive line and find spaces. Uh, and that's that. And that's what happened throughout this game. The the these attacking players from wide as well as coming from midfield just saw lanes which they could break into and areas they could attack, um, which Vancouver just weren't covering. Which which they have done so well. They've started off as a very sort of stop trying to break and trying to make um, chances going forward, but. It was it was a completely different Vancouver side to what we've seen um, in this sort of in their early life as a CPL team.
0: Yeah, especially when when you consider their strong defensive performances. I mean, we were all worried. You're always worried, and ex, uh, with an expansion side coming in, especially one that has built around such young players, inexperienced mm-hmm. players, where you. You kind of felt like one of these games was going to turn out into something like this, a bit of a humbling for Vancouver because, you know, as great as they are, uh, as much talent as they have, as great as Afton is as a coach, they still are a side that have just been playing together for a couple months. And mm. they're a side that, you know, they only have like, I think, two players over the age of 25 it's going to be a very young side that is inexperienced that needs to learn and needs to adapt that in tough situations like they had that day, it it kind of goes to show that they are still lacking a lot of character, a lot of experience, a lot of, you know, mental strength to not let the game get away from you like that. And uh, yeah, I think Rocco Romeo, like I said before, just his absence was felt more deeply than I think I've ever felt any absence of any player in any game for any team in the cpl it was really just night and day uh without him and so i don't know how they're going to recover for the next game oh without him too because he's banned for two games instead of three yeah. so they only have to deal with him for the next game when they go to forge um it's gonna be another tough <laughs> yeah. one um but yeah, I mean, I honestly I don't think there's anything we can really say all that much for Vancouver. I mean to to Vancouver's uh I, I don't know if credit is the right word, but you know, maybe a little bit of excuse to Vancouver and their lack of attacking output was that Gabby Batar got that um shoulder injury pretty early on mm. in the first half, and he's been such a creative outlet for for Vancouver and just the way that he can drift inside, pick the ball up, and then Playoff of Gael Sandoval or even Sean Hundle. That front three is really, really good. They're finally starting to come into themselves in the last few games. We've seen them connect and interact very, very, very well. And then to have a player like that go down injured. And then you bring on somebody who is talented in Kwok. I think Kwok is a very Mm. talented player. But through most of preseason and the few times we've seen him, has been playing at wing back to then throw him in a forward position, expect him to bring something similar to Gabi Batar. I think I think is a bit harsh because he, he hasn't been playing in the attack. He mm-hmm. is a winger by trade, but he hasn't been playing there for the last few months. So it was not surprising to me that we really didn't see all that much of him. And then, yeah, after that, it felt like Vancouver were just playing route one football and it wasn't panning out. It, it felt like... You know, Ottawa were just responding to everything. They were just heading the ball out. There was a couple half chances, maybe when Gail Sandoval could drive through the left. But um, yeah, no, it was it was a tough day for uh, for Vancouver. And it might just be worse against Forge because depending on the injuries yeah. to Gabby Bitar, Caden Chung went down injured as well. Uh, halfway through the second half, too. Two very, very important players to Vancouver. It might be another ugly night for Vancouver. Uh, next week against Forge, but I mean, I guess well, you know, there are good things to talk about. Mo- you know, pretty much only for Ottawa. Let's talk <laughs> a- about uh, Ottawa, especially that right hand side. I mean, Jean Anilasi, sort of in the same way that Young Gabeira did for Valor, decided this is the game where I'm going to show what I'm all about because he was so good on that right hand side. Him and Only Bassett switching. You know, sometimes Olive Bassett would would go right and then Assy would cut in or Bassett would tuck into the middle and, and Assey would go and provide an option wide. They played really, really well off each other, as was seen in that really nice goal from, from Bassett in the eighth minute. Just great one-touch play on the wing to, to do away with the Vancouver defense. And it felt like those two we're clicking a lot i mean i'm going to talk about a little bit more in my highlight of the week spoilers um (laughs) but uh i felt like yeah ottawa just after struggling so much at the beginning of the season finally clicked today at the expense of vancouver and and played the the kind of game that we know that they can play as regular season champs from last year and for you, Mike, what was uh what was the best part of Ottawa? What do you think allowed them to finally give a showing like they did uh that day against Vancouver?
1: Yeah, I guess sort of like to to answer that and to touch on your point previously, I mean this is a this really does remind us the Vancouver are in this expansion team is they are a brand new side, a very young side and these things are going to happen, and Alessico got them at the right time for um, <laughs> from uh, Otto's point of view. Um, players like players on, in the expansion side aren't going to be able to consistently perform and challenge for a title straight away. There's going to be ups and downs in those periods, and Assi uh, on the right, and with Bassett there, really did, after a really decent performance from Crawford last week, they got him on one of these days where they were able to they were able to take advantage and they were able to dominate. It was fantastic, like you say. His, his pace is terrifying, but his final uh, final ball is showing, each week is showing a little bit more extra quality and a little bit more extra quality, which is getting Sam Sorter, um, Sorter into games now. He's He's been isolated in so many matches, but Ottawa and Al are now starting to feel that they seem to be gaining a bit of confidence and this this game will only give them even more where they it's not just let's defend and then we'll get it forward but we're relying on Sorter to try and do something on his own they were breaking with pace and they were making runs that they were understanding from each other it, and no very very rarely did you see two players running towards a similar similar area they were all running into different dangerous areas which were causing issues for vancouver throughout that game and they just seem to have yeah they they just seem to click uh in this match and for ottawa it's going to be really interesting to see if they can carry that on and it's not just sort of Taking advantage of a sort of a wounded side. Um be, yeah, really interesting to see how they uh, how they do next week.
0: Yeah. And and one nice thing that I saw for from Ottawa, you know, talking to Carlos Gonzalez after the match at the press conference, was that, you know, you bring off two players and you bring on two young players like uh Verhoeven and and Baus, and to have them make immediate impacts Score both of those goals. It just shows that, you know, this is why you have squad depth. This is why you have players off the bench who can make these impacts. And the fact that they showcase in this game that, you know, they don't always have to rely on like an Ollie Bassett to get the goals or to create the chances. And they can have other players be able to pitch in on the goals and pitch in on the assists and stuff like that. That's what you want from a a side who should be. Uh, challenging forge for that title and uh, i think it, it 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 was a great day out for ottawa really good for their psyche for 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 all of the players to be able to bounce back from some pretty you know inconspicuous uh results earlier in the week and uh to be able to have this statement win and be like okay this is now what we know we're capable of Let's go and continue that. Like you said, it's going to be Mm. very interesting um, to see how they respond. But from Vancouver's side, I mean, it's hard to see how they go from here because Afshin afterwards, you know, Afshin is one that at least in front of the press is, you know, very, very calm and collected. And the way Mm -hmm. that he spoke about the game, it was like, yeah, this is this was something that we didn't play our game. We got lost in it. We were very young side. We We've only started playing. This is going to happen. Games like these, you know, even to the top teams, he mentioned the Manchester United Liverpool game where Liverpool beat them <laughs> 7-0 as an example that even top teams can get thrashed, which is fair. Um, but he's still adamant that his team will learn, will grow and that they're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, he was like, know, okay. we <laughs> he even said, it's like, well, when we come back here during the playoffs, we'll we'll laugh about it. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, I like that confidence. Um, <laughs> so he clearly believes in, in his team that they can bounce back from this. Um, you noticed, but, you know... um,
1: sorry, jump in, but you noticed that it was one of these games where just things weren't going when Callum Irvin nearly makes a mistake. <laughs> <When> <laughs> you've got the, the one sort of experienced leader there. Um, he nearly makes a mistake under receiving the ball and the huge mix-up eventually manages to get his hands on it after Sorter touches in the box, but yeah, it was just one of these games where you just thought everything's going wrong, and it's just you, you can just imagine the coaches just going to say like Let's let's just put that one behind us. Let's let's go on and look into this game and the, into the next one. And this is where they're going to have to find these players that are going to step up. We you mentioned there the depth that Ottawa had coming off the bench uh, when you're bringing on players like Shaw, the two goal scorers coming on um, and replacing players. Uh, Vancouver don't have that yet. And some of these players could be. I mean, we've talked about Tahiti, he's only 16. (laughs) He's going on the youngest player. Uh, Quack came on. These players could become great, like really good uh, players in the CPL for Vancouver, but it's still super early days. And yeah, they they don't have that depth. And uh, Ashvin's got to find those players and create those players out of the ones he's got that are going to be regular, like consistent performers.
0: Yeah, you're right, because they do have a lot of good players off the bench. I think, you know, Nikki Gimia is another player that has shown that he can be very, very dangerous, very intelligent, a very good, quick player. Um, and I felt like, yeah, with Callum Overy making the mistake, another player, Gael Sandoval, had that moment where the coach, he got a coach from Ottawa sent off because of an altercation that occurred. The coach, like, kind of threw away the ball, and Sandoval pushed him, and the coach retaliated, and then the bench cleared, and there was a whole <laughs> thing. And it was a really funny sight, because everyone went for Gael Sandoval. The fourth official tried to get between the players and yeah. Sandoval, and Sandoval was actually pushed onto a table, and he just sat on the table, g- grabbed a Gatorade, and just started drinking it. Just, like, <laughs> one of the co- coldest moments I've ever seen in a player. Just not even bothered whatsoever <laughs> um but yeah like even you know when your more experienced players are getting heated or making mistakes yeah just want to yeah. completely write off and and move on from and hopefully they uh they can move on quickly cuz they have probably their one of the hardest matches of the year next uh uh for away. um mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes but moving on now to our fourth and final game we're going to uh talk about cavalry um this is going to be the the one match we didn't want to turn into a tie that once again <laughs> turned into a tie calvary drew 2-2 against halifax wanderers it was another case of another draw for the teams that can't stop drawing um uh it was um uh, a good response from halifax as they're going down in 19th minute to a fantastic ali Musi goal uh, Halifax got two goals in stoppage time in the first half through Teo Colom in the 45th minute plus one and through uh, Fernandez in the 45th minute plus three before probably one of the most contentious penalty calls I have ever seen in the history of the game uh-huh. uh, with Meyer Bevan getting that pen uh, or scoring that pen rather um, in the 78th minute meant that it was uh, a two-all draw, you can definitely feel for Halifax Wonders because you think that that was a very much a bogus penalty call and they yeah. probably could have seen out the game. And for Patrice Geiser, it's, it's, it's a result that he's definitely going to wish he could have gotten because after so many draws, you need that win before it starts to become that monkey on your back, just always hounding yeah. you for it. So really, really unfortunate. I guess we'll start with that penalty call because – you know, we were talking about the other one that was a stonewall pen.
1: (laughs) This one was a (laughs)
0: stonewall not pen. This one was like, why would you even give the pen? Um, It very clearly and then his face, I don't think it made any contact with any arm or hand, Uh, but the referee called it to this dismay of Halifax and yeah, I think it just like it pretty much killed the game for Halifax because you know, you're playing so well, you're fighting for that win. And then to have that happen to you, it's so deflating. What were your thoughts on the penalty call and and what do we need to have happen so this doesn't happen again?
1: Uh, yeah, it was embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing to see. You can see um Lowry screaming at the ref in absolute disbelief. Um the cross comes in from the um uh the Halifax left hand side, uh, which is where the linesman is as well which makes it even more infuriating uh, for them. The cross comes in, it hits his thigh, like you are saying, up against his face. It's not like his arms are in his body. He's got them out wide and behind him like wings, <laughs> completely as far away from the ball as possible. The The referee appears to have a relatively decent view as well. Uh, he's not sort of face on, his behind slightly, but he can see the arm out wide and out wide of his body. Um which it it's just a terrible call from the ref, uh, and really bad um from the linesman who should be looking across that he's looking face on, really, if he's in the right position. Um, because Lowry's one of the deepest defenders. So the, the, the linesman should be in that line looking across for any offsides uh, as the ball is delivered. So it's two both of them should have seen this. Um and to and to call it with such confidence straight away bang the whistle goes penalty it's not like he's looked at it and thought was it yeah i think it is it's straight away he's there's not a doubt in his mind and that that's yeah this disappointing uh you would have yeah you would have expected that at least if that call's been made the linesman to say i'm not sure about that <laughs> like that looks like it that looks like it's not come in but Yeah, it's it's something that sadly has happened, that can happen, Um, and it's a real real kick in the teeth for Halifax.
0: Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, obviously the debate is going to rage on about whether VAR ultimately is great for the game or not, but Mm. those are the instances where I can't imagine how you can argue against it, because... Those are honestly criminal situations where you want yeah. to make sure that the referee uh, can, you know, review and be like, "Oh, I got that one completely wrong," and yeah. then just be like, "Never mind, not a penalty." You know, admit their mistake because referees are human too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, real kicking the teeth for for Halifax. But I guess moving, we'll we'll start moving back in time a bit. Uh, we'll go back to how Halifax uh, responded to going down. Mm. I mean, two goals in added stoppage time. It sort of felt like they gave Calvary a, a taste of the medicine that they had been taking the first <laughs> yeah. few weeks after conceding uh, late in the in the first half so many times at the start of the season. Uh, and they decided that they wanted to you know join the party too and, and score late in the first half uh, with two really well-taken goals uh, from teo coloman from fernandez what 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 did you think about this halifax response late in the first half and and what it shows about the the character and grit from Halifax
1: yeah I mean after going sort of the goal down with a moosey goal uh, where he's where Ramprasan just gets caught in the middle of the pitch and it was just a you know, poor bit of play from them their build up wasn't great at that point and they and they got and they got punished but they got back into the game um and they kept this focus like you said they they they're a team that they build up from the back well up quite like they the, the way they want to play is build out risky plays but it's all about the movement off of the ball and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of effort to make sure you're constantly trying to get in these places to give whoever's got the ball multiple options to pass um but this but this game they managed to they controlled and they managed their output um, throughout that first half, really well, so that they they were able to continue to press and they were able to continue to cause cavalry problems. And cavalry is, I mean, they took the lead, but they weren't they weren't really um, a dominant team. That like Halifax were the better side, I felt, um, and they they do well with the ball. The only issue is that final pass isn't getting there, or the finish from that final pass isn't getting there. They got those two goals late in the game, but they were the only two shots they had on target the entire match. So there's there's one thing that's that, that gets to them and that penalty call at the end got to them again and they were like cavalry were able to then spur on, whereas Halifax were frustrated and angry and didn't get didn't use it to get back into the game and to dominate again. So um, we saw sort of two sides to them, I felt, um, but it would come the ends of both these halves.
0: Yeah. And and that's a thing where I think that's something that Patrice, Patrice Geyser has to sort of kind of work through is that there are these mental barriers that Halifax keep having to come across, whether it's because they have tired legs, tired minds, something doesn't go their way. To be a top team, you need to have a type of mental fortitude. And it feels like Halifax just don't have that right now. They have a great style of play, very, very entertaining, fluid, direct, you know, attacking oriented. I love it. But when things don't go your way, decisions don't go your way, or or you know you feel like the other team is starting to get into the game a bit more, there's where you need the ability to you know sit deep, dig deep, and and be able to see uh, a result. That's what we talked about at the beginning of the episode with Forge. That's something that they excel in. I think it's something yeah. that's still missing uh, from Halifax right now. But
1: uh... for for Halifax, so I guess one thing we can sort of mirror. Vancouver in a way, Halifax has such a huge turnover uh, in player personnel. I mean, Ram was there. I'm struggling to remember off the top of my head how many other players were on the pitch uh, this weekend that were on the pitch last season for um, um, for Halifax. So there's this huge turnover with a new manager. So they are still gelling. They are still forming um, their sort of identity as a group as well, I guess. Um, which which makes the fact that they haven't lost all season um, really impressive, but also that they not having gone a win, <laughs> less, uh, less so.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something where obviously you want to give time to Patrice and to Halifax, because you can see the style of play. You can see that it is working. There are moments of brilliance. There are players who are, Excelling in this system, and I think it's only about you know it's only going to be a matter of time before they finally get their first win. um But it just feels like you know it it right now they're still trying to work it out a bit. And the you obviously from one side we're like okay, well you know you want to give them time because of the tight turnover, like you said. But every game in this league counts, and it might be these you know consistent points that they've dropped. In the first five games that at the end of the season, you look back and maybe they don't miss out uh, or they maybe they don't go on to be in the playoffs or they just miss out or maybe they have a tougher, you know, opposition because they didn't climb that little bit higher. Uh, to have an easier time in the playoffs. And a lot of people will look back at these first five games and, and see this is where we could have taken some extra points and made it easier on ourselves. So, you know, it's always about how you want to see it. But yeah. uh, no doubt that Halifax have talents. I'm very excited to see them continue to grow. They're probably one of the most exciting teams in the league right now. And uh, hopefully they get their first win soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, on that uh, note, I mean, Ali Moussi, in the in the commentary, the commentators of one soccer, I forget who it was, were talking about Ali Muzi as a luxury player. Where you know it's a player that maybe isn't always consistent, but when he does show up, he can show up. And I feel like this was the the perfect game because last week against Vancouver. You know, against Tyler Crawford, such a young guy, it felt like he never really ran at him and never really tried to create anything he was just hugging the sidelines, kind of a passenger. In this game, he did not make the same mistake. In this game, he ran at his defenders. He ran at Halifax. And that goal just, uh, you know, en- encapsuled the quality that he can bring. And I feel like if he can channel that and just become a bit more consistent he can become one of the league's most exciting players uh, that we've seen so far. Um, I think he definitely has the talent for it and hopefully he can, you know, show that a bit more because Cavalry need that exciting players because, you know, Tommy, Tommy Wieldon Jr. Fantastic coach. Definitely not going to say anything bad about him, but it felt, it has felt like Cavalry have been, slow to adapt to how the league has grown in terms of tactics and how to play. And I feel like with Ali Musi, he has a player that can terrorize any defense and really, you know, bring, bring that energy that a lot of teams are now relying on uh, in the league. But uh, yeah, and in the, in the end, you know, I feel like Hal Fox got hard done by, um, do you have any other closing thoughts about this match or uh, should we move on to the highlights?
1: Uh, yeah, just like to touch on like Musi, um sort of mentioning he has that opportunity to change games at times when he's on the ball. But I think what Cavalry are missing is those wide players who can do that, but they also work, they're, they're working hard off the ball. They're aggressive. um you see players like Josh Hurd and Ayman Salouf at Pacific. You've got Borges, uh, Forge, like these top teams. Um, Assi, Nyonga, Birre, they work hard. Like, and they, they, they get back for their team. They are hassling players. They're forcing turnovers. Whereas I, I think at times, if the game isn't quite going for um, Cavalry, not just Musi, but both the wingers and the attacking players, they're waiting. They're li- they they're relying. On the central midfielders uh, and the fullbacks to sort of win the ball back. You've got Charlie Trafford daily putting really good strong shifts. Escalante is never going to back out of a, a challenge. You've got all these players behind them that are going to do all the work, but. Those forward line don't seem quite as aggressive as some of the other teams um, that they're going to be competing against, and Cavalry want to be competing at the top, um, and they're going to have to start adapting to how the league is changing. Um, and at the moment, they just seem a little bit slow in how and how they're going to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that uh, Tommy's going to have to deal with as the season goes on because. It's it's the classic saying, you know. If you don't adapt with the times, you're going to be left behind. And you know, as, as good as Cavalry are, as much of a staple side they are in the CPL, uh, if they don't try to adapt, you know, we're going to see these teams like Ottawa and Pacific, you know, be the ones to to sort of take the mantle from them as the as the ones who could challenge Forge for the CPL um but yeah that that's it right now for our uh our cpl roundup of the week for match day five uh now we're going to move on to our highlights of the week um i'm gonna start with you again mike i know you talked a lot about him but i'm sure you wouldn't mind talking about him even more sean young uh his influence that he had in this game why was it your highlight of the
1: week uh he's sort of a he's, sort of, he's the example of what pacific are trying to do as a club a young player who I spoke to for the uh, Northern Tribune before the season started who said, like, at 16, 17, football's a hobby. He didn't have – like, the CPL wasn't here. He wasn't part of a Whitecaps academy, the closest one geographically to him. Uh, and it was all going to – like, it was it was a great hobby, something he enjoyed, but it wasn't going to be a, like a career for him. And all of a sudden, the CPL is uh, on his doorstep uh, in Pacific. <laughs> it's on the island. And he's been given that chance and he's fully grabbed it. And like James Merriman has commented on him in the press conferences about how he's wanted to just keep progressing his game. And he's someone they see as being a star and someone they see as developing to move on uh, to bigger and better things for him as uh, in his career. He got all over the pitch, like we said. The goal, um, goals and assists. He's, he's doing everything while being that um, excellent box-to-box midfielder, which is vital for every like for every team if you've got someone who can do that uh, with his energy who can put in such good consistent performances it's not like he's great one game and as a couple of games where he's gone missing he's the, one of the first players on the team sheet when you've got players like Aparicio <laughs> I mean the defense almost picks itself but Sean Young's there straight away uh, he's 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 in there on in ink <laughs> in the beginning of uh when uh, James Merriman submits his team, um, it's it's just really great to see young Canadian players being developed in their hometowns, um, and yeah, great for the league, great for the club, and great for sort of Canadian. Just a great role model for Canadian young players, um, to put in the work and the opportunities when they arise, take them.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what you want to see. Players like Sean Young, and we've already seen, you know, kind of how the CPL can grow players and ship them out to Europe or even ship them out to MLS sides and and have them continue their development and growth. And that's what the league is here for, the domestic league, is to grow the Canadian game, grow Canadian players and see them thrive so that at the very end, you know, we can see them go for the national team. And it's all of that. It's all connected from the grassroots, like we saw, you know, with TSS Rovers and their story, all yep. the way up to the national team and making the World Cup and everything. You know, it just feels like Canada's starting to really come into themselves as a soccer country uh, after kind of dwindling with it in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's a great thing to see. Uh, my own highlights, I uh, talked about a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was just Ollie Bassett and Asi, their combination in the game against Vancouver. I mean, you know, from somebody who's there, i the only thing I could see that was good was from Ottawa's side, really. Um, uh-huh. So I had to pick something from them. But yeah, I think Ollie Bassett, a lot of people were saying at the beginning of the season that they were a bit worried about him being forced to sort of go deep a lot and having to pick up the ball deep when he's very much an attacking player. He can create a lot of chances. He's the one who can sort of be like the, the puppeteer pulling the strings, just want, passing from one guy to the other, just creating chances with him as the focus and then either scoring it himself or doing that killer ball so that another player can score it. And I feel, I feel like this season, you know, he has had goals. He has shown glimpses of it. But he hasn't been that consistently across a game, and I felt like this was the first match where he was, and it was because he was being able to combine with Jean Lassie. and the way that they can just you know switch positions and and occupy different uh, channels and confuse the Vancouver defense, so that they can create space for each other, and that's where Bassett thrives in those half spaces with those opportunities to to create magic. And I felt like that's where um that's that's finally that's finally what we've saw in that game against Vancouver and so yeah, great for Ollie Bassett to be able to showcase that as the as the MVP of last year and uh hopefully he can help Ottawa kick on and show why they were regular season champs last year. Um it will be yeah.
1: interesting to see him against uh, cavalry next week. Uh, a team that we mentioned there that aren't as aggressive on the ball, like to win the ball back, and how he can get up the pitch. Um, and to see how like he, he showed steps of it in the uh, Canadian Championship to this game even better. But Vancouver all over the place at times. Um, I think this could really um, like, if he continues the way like like you're mentioning there, like, this could be uh. Cavalry's first defeat of the season next week. If they can uh, perform anywhere like how they uh, how they did in those good good uh, good periods throughout this Vancouver game.
0: Yeah, that's true. I think that's kind of always the thing with a result like this. Is like mm-hmm. it's like how how much is it down to you being good, and how much is it down to Vancouver just being abysmal? But <laughs> we will see. We will see next week. Uh, But that's all for us here. Uh, That's all for this episode, uh, for this week. Thank you so much for listening to our uh, podcast. Make sure to follow us once again on Twitter so that you can give us your thoughts on each of this week's episodes. And if you have any interesting facts, stats, or questions, please leave them the replies. We would love to talk about them on next week's episodes. And we'll give you a shout-out. And uh, yeah, just we we always want community to be able to give us some information so that we can talk about and grow the podcast just like the league is growing the canadian game but uh until next time i'm Felipe and i'm mike rice and this has been coast to coast fc signing out